The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. We are finally down to the last hours, fewer than 24 hours left in Donald Trump's reign of terror, depending on when you listen to this and when you watch today's show. And somehow, as we really get ourselves ready for a new administration, a new president, a new start, hopefully turning uh, 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 into uh, experiencing an inflection point when it comes to coronavirus and, and starting to go in a better direction. We still are seeing these last gasps of desperation from Donald Trump to see if maybe somehow he could do something to open the window even slightly to remaining in power. And now abandoned by so many having conceded and I use that term very narrowly conceded that there will be a transition, that there will be a new administration. Donald Trump over the weekend had my pillow CEO Mike Lindell at the White House, who was spotted holding notes where zoomed in uh, photos showed martial law and other of these harebrained ideas. And we're going to look at the details. And of course, as Rolling Stone and others have been reporting, we know Trump is out of options. We know that we are mere hours from Donald Trump leaving the office of the presidency in shame, having lost the House for Republicans in 2018, having lost the Senate for Republicans in 2020 and having made himself a one term president and in so doing led to one of the biggest global failures on coronavirus. The court challenges didn't work. Uh, pressuring Republican politicians to try to do weird things on January 6th didn't work. Focusing on the December 14th electoral vote counts, none of it worked. But Trump had my pillow uh, guy, Mike Lindell, at the White House, seen entering on Friday, whose notes discussed martial law. And Mike Lindell, although I'm not going to play any of these agit trash interviews that he's been doing, including from his private jet, insisting that there are still ways there is still a path forward somehow. Um, it appears as though as recently as 48 hours ago, Donald Trump was still exploring options and still listening to people who had these ideas about martial law. Mike Lindell's notes also said insurrection act now as a result of the assault, something, something martial law if necessary. So that is Mike Lindell's idea for Donald Trump. Now, importantly, why is a pillow manufacturer who believes Trump is a gift from God uh, advising a president of the United States? Well, the answer is in the question because he believes Trump is a gift from God. <laughs> and these are exactly the types of people that Donald Trump puts around him. He doesn't put an infectious disease expert around him to manage a pandemic. He puts a neuroradiologist around him to manage a pandemic who happens to have a view favorable to that of Donald Trump. And really, I mean, listen, I don't know about every country, but it seems that it is unique to the United States that a guy who sells pillows on late night right wing media would become a close advisor to a president, particularly in that president's final desperate, shameful days in office during a global uh, uh, a global crisis, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen for 100 years, the coronavirus pandemic. So I received 
you know, a ton of comments about this story about how terrible the my pillow pillows are. Now, I can't speak to that. I've never bought one of them. I never would. But the important part is not about the pillows. It's why is the pillow guy meeting with the president of the United States to offer advice and in particular with a document that says martial law written on it. But it all tracks. If you call Scott Atlas to help you run infectious disease, why not call a pillow guy? Right. If you want or believe Jared Kushner is going to solve the Israeli Palestinian conflict in four years, then it tracks that you would call a pillow guy to advise you as to how to try to stay in power despite having lost an election. So it's all embarrassing. It's all pathetic. There are already discussions of, you know, is this beyond what should be pardoned? by Joe Biden in the style of Gerald Ford pardoning Richard Nixon. I'm going to address that uh, over the next day. I'll preview my position. The answer is absolutely not. There is no way under no circumstances should Joe Biden even consider a preemptive pardon of Donald Trump. Now, there's not a sign yet that Joe Biden plans to do that, but there are more and more people, some on the right, some on the left, some nonpartisan. Uh, who are saying for the unity of the country, Joe Biden should look at pardoning Donald Trump because it'll put an end to this stuff. No, this stuff ends in 24 hours anyway. Uh, And I believe it would be a grave mistake to pardon Donald Trump. But I will get to that. I don't want to get ahead of myself before we get to Joe Biden being in a position to pardon anybody. We have to get through tomorrow's inauguration. And I want to talk about the horrible things going on there. Um, It it almost feels surreal that I am telling you this today because I think many of us at least would like to believe that this is not the type of thing that would be possible in the United States. But it is possible. We would be naive to think it's not possible. And that's why the FBI has started vetting the National Guard troops who are in Washington, D.C. to protect the city, to protect the Capitol, to protect the White House uh, in advance of and during Joe Biden's inauguration. And the reason the FBI is vetting National Guard troops is that there are fear of insider Trump loyalists who may even assist in or participate in an attack tomorrow, Inauguration Day. Uh, I'm almost at a loss for words, but this should not come as a total surprise because two weeks ago I told you that uh, Joe Biden's entire Secret Service team is being replaced rather than the typical some Trump Secret Service people carry over and some people retire and then they bring in some new people, which would be the the standard thing because of concerns about Trump loyalists in Secret Service. Joe Biden is getting an all new team, including some agents from the Obama era that worked with Biden in his capacity as vice president, as well as new agents not believed to be Trump loyalists. So we knew that a couple of weeks ago. And now, as you know, because of the Trump riots on January 6th, National Guard troops have been called to Washington, D.C., and they've been patrolling the streets and street corners of Washington, D.C. for a week now. If you look at images of it, it looks dystopian. It looks like things we would imagine only happen in other countries, but they're happening right here in the United States. But it is not quite so simple. Defense officials and the FBI are worried about an insider attack or threat from these very service members involved in securing Joe Biden's inauguration. And this has led the FBI to start vetting all 25,000 National Guard troops 
coming to Washington, D.C. or already in Washington, D.C. for this event. Now, imagine what it takes to vet twenty five thousand troops to figure out, might this be a Trump loyalist? Has this person been visiting certain websites on the Internet, coordinating with certain people on the Internet? And unfortunately, that degree of vetting is not going to be possible. Uh, what it is, what it is going to include uh, is some more automated processes for looking through folks, maybe more detailed looks at people from certain areas or people um, with, with certain characteristics. I don't even know how you'd vet 25,000 people and they're expected to be doing the vetting all the way up to tomorrow's inauguration. And this is a situation where I mean, listen, the FBI will run everybody's names through databases. They'll see if any of the names appear on watch lists already maintained to see if there's something alarming that comes up. Um, if there have been names of the troops that have been associated with prior investigations or terrorism related concerns, but the deep vetting that would be done, like, for example, for people who will be close to Joe Biden in a Secret Service capacity, you just can't do that with twenty five thousand National Guard troops uh, coming to Washington, D.C. on relatively short notice. But the fact that this is even being done is, of course, horrifying and very, very scary. And I I hate to say this. I don't want to make this all negative because we are removing Trump. That's a good thing. And hopefully getting a fresh start on a lot of these issues that that we failed on as a country over the last four years. But this is an issue, radicalization of law enforcement and military that's been studied for a long time. The Brennan Center for Justice has a report called Hidden in Plain Sight, Racism, white supremacy and far right militancy in law enforcement. Now, we've known for a long time that law enforcement tends to be more conservative than the population at large. Law enforcement tends to vote quite a bit more for Republicans rather than Democrats. The military is not historically made up of at, at the sort of lower levels, uh, particularly progressive individuals, although in 2020, Joe Biden did see more support from within the military than Democratic presidents have seen for a long time. But this issue of militancy and white supremacy and racism within law enforcement has been studied for a long time by the Brennan Center for Justice. And um, it is important to understand that it is a widely known issue and that while, uh, of course, mo I I've said before, this is not an anti cop show or an anti military show in terms of the individuals. I continue to believe, and this is based on both everything I've read empirically and my personal experience. Most police officers become police officers for the right reasons. Most people who join the military join the military not to go out and kill people in cold blood or or they, they, they do join for what they see as doing something good for their community or their country. The unfortunate reality is that law enforcement and the military also attract uh, disproportionately culturally conservative people, disproportionately folks motivated more by fear and and possibly anger, disproportionately more people to and, and I hate to say it, um, be sympathetic to the ideas of far right militancy. Now, that doesn't mean that it's the majority. It's not. But relative to the population, they are overrepresented. And so that's something that has to be dealt with law enforcement. And, and the military have, have tried different ideas uh, and so far it, it has not worked particularly well. And it remains a, quote, persistent threat, according to the FBI. Um, so the, the point here is it shouldn't be a surprise 
that this is a concern, even including the National Guard troops that will be supposedly securing Washington, D.C. for the inauguration of Joe Biden. I'm hopeful but unsure if this late stage vetting that the FBI is doing will be enough. But my hope is that even if some individuals slip through who are sympathetic to some of the goals of the rioters and would be rioters, that they will be so few and far between among the 25,000 National Guard troops that it will not really lead to an opportunity for anybody to do anything that even resembles what we saw on January 6th. That's my hope, and I hope it doesn't end up being a naive hope, but we will be watching it as we will be covering Joe Biden's inauguration tomorrow. And I, I hope you will join me. We will be live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific time. We will start an hour before we will see the gathering in Washington, D.C., the swearing in of Joe Biden as president, the swearing in of Kamala Harris as vice president. Uh, and then we will have a, a a changing of the guard. We will officially have it. Trump will be out. Biden will be in and we will go right into demanding that Joe Biden do the things he promised to do on day one. I'll give him until day two. I'll be honest. I'll I think day literally day one is tough, but maybe the first full day. Uh, I expect executive orders from Joe Biden on Thursday and we will be here with you for everything. So we'll see you for that tomorrow. We have a great show today. Let me know if you'll be watching. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. If one of your goals for the new year is to cut back on carbs and sugar, check out one of our sponsors, Monk Pack. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars fill you up and taste like your favorite sweet snacks, but they just have one gram of sugar just two grams of net carbs at only 140 calories. They have a soft, chewy texture and they come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter and maple pecan or pecan or pecan. It's all of the above, actually. Uh, they're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls or a late night treat. Not only are they keto friendly, they're gluten free, grain free, plant based, no soy, trans fats or sugar alcohols, no artificial colors. And Monk Pack is so confident in their keto snacks that they back them with a hundred percent money back guarantee. Try it for yourself and you'll see how delicious these are. You'll get 20 percent off when you go to monkpack.com and use coupon code Pacman. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Coupon code P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the link in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Nebbia, the creator of the world's most innovative showerhead. It uses only about half the water that other showerheads do, saving you money, helping the environment. But it's actually a lot more powerful than other showerheads on the market. It has twice the coverage of other showerheads. The water sprays with a ton of pressure. I've been using it in my bathroom at home. I love it. Only took a few minutes to set up really easy. And it's been a totally different experience than any other shower head I've used. I can get in and out of the shower way quicker now because of how powerful it is. It only takes a few seconds to get completely rinsed off. So I was actually amazed that it's only using about half as much water. Nebbia also offers a number of shower accessories like shelves and curtains, which match perfectly with the design of the showerhead, 
The shower head starts at just one ninety nine, but the first hundred people to go to Nebia dot com slash Pacman and use code Pacman will get fifteen percent off all Nebia products. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman dot com. The best and easiest way to support the David Pakman show is to grab a membership at joinpacman.com and you get lots of great stuff with it as well. Uh, read all about it at joinpacman.com. We are potentially minutes, if not hours, from hearing what is expected to be a list of 100 pardons from Donald Trump. We don't know as of this moment whether Trump will try to pardon himself whether he will issue blanket preemptive pardons for his children or son in law or Rudy Giuliani at this moment of recording. And this may change within an hour or within a couple of hours. We don't have that information. We know Trump is expecting to pardon about 100 people today. However, we have in the background an insane story alleging that Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump's lawyer, I don't know if he's still technically his lawyer. It's never been clear. Uh, it hasn't been clear for months. Rudy Giuliani is being accused of selling pardons by Trump for two million dollars. Now, the background on this is that for some time we've heard rumblings of those who were collecting consulting fees, I guess you would call them in order to lobby for a pardon from Donald Trump. And now specifically Rudy's name and the cash figure of two million dollars is being associated with this. Uh, We know that There have been folks, for example, who have said, listen, um, if you give me 50 grand, I'll try to get you a pardon. And if I succeed, you give me another 50 grand. A one time top advisor to the Trump campaign uh, reportedly actually collected that 50 grand in order to try to seek a pardon for a guy named John Kiriakou who's a former CIA officer convicted of illegally disclosing classified information. And Kiriakou, as he says it, agreed to the 50,000 upfront fee and a 50,000 performance bonus. So a hundred grand for a pardon, not too bad. 50 grand, even if it fails. Okay, that's I guess the risk you're willing to take if you're paying for pardons. But this is where the story gets very interesting. As reported by The New York Times, Mr. Kiriakou, who opted to go with the 50 down 50 if we get it uh, payment plan was also offered uh, to pay two million dollars to Rudy Giuliani for what was claimed to be an offer to secure a pardon. So sort of like, you know, you go to get a car and you can trade in a car or not and you can lease or you can finance. And if you lease, you could do 24 or 36 months and maybe you want 10,000 miles a year or 12 or 15. There were pardon plans available. You could choose to do 50 down 50 if we get one. That's one possibility. Or you could go with someone presumably believed to be closer to the president, Rudy Giuliani, who just wanted two million flat. Uh, And I guess was saying you can definitely get the pardon this way, although there's never really a guarantee of anything when Donald Trump is involved. And of course, the immediate question is, could this possibly be legal? And um, (laughs) I I hate to, to say this, but it's not completely clear in the sense that certainly a president selling pardons would not be legal. That that would be against the law. Now, whether you could prosecute a president for it, 
That is certainly a question mark. And there are many people who say you can and, and others who say it would be very difficult. What we're talking about here can all be couched under legal representation. And when Rudy Giuliani was confronted, the so the FBI was alerted Rudy's selling pardons for two million. And when Rudy Giuliani was confronted about it, Rudy didn't say that's crazy. I don't know anything about two million or anything like that. I haven't talked to anybody who wants a pardon. Rudy Giuliani's response was, I challenge the characterization of what it was I was offering. And that tells you everything you need to know. I challenge the characterization. Uh, and, and we'll even uh, look at this key part from The New York Times. Mr. Kiriakou was separately told that Mr. Trump's personal lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani, could help him secure a pardon for two million dollars. But Mr. Kiriakou rejected the offer. But an associate fearing that Mr. Giuliani was illegally selling pardons alerted the FBI. Mr. Giuliani challenged this characterization. That denial is barely a denial. You're challenging the way it is characterized. And what obviously is going on here is that legal services are being offered. I'm sure that the way this is being framed is Rudy says, listen, I offer legal services which include representing your request for a pardon. Between the lines, it's I talk to Trump every day and I have influence over him and I feel really strongly that I can make sure you get a pardon. But what I'm offering is legal representation. I will write the letter. I will represent you in any back and forth. I will represent the PR and public facing part of this. And I estimate that my legal fee is going to be two million dollars. And I take that as a retainer up front. Is that illegal? No, probably not. I mean, this is one of those things where by the letter of the law, that's probably not against the law. And so the move by Rudy Giuliani, of course, is I challenge the characterization. It is insane that this is what's going on. And by the time you listen to this, we may know who's on the pardon list. We're expected to know at some point today. We will certainly cover it for you on tomorrow's program. The after the fact will be figuring out who paid what for the pardons. And again, technically, it may be who paid for consulting services related to how to best ask for a pardon. I don't expect to see anybody go down for selling pardons because ultimately the only person who can really sell the pardon is Trump himself because he's the one doing the pardoning. I don't believe it's Trump who's doing it. It's clearly people around him. Uh, it is going to be a very, very ugly several years for the Trump family. Donald Trump's organization is under criminal investigation now on the eve of Donald Trump leaving office. And I expect that January 21st, 2021, meaning Thursday, is going to be a fascinating day for Trump news. Trump is about to get whacked from 360 degrees with all sorts of investigations. CNN reporting that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is expanding its criminal. Yeah, this is criminal investigation into the Trump organization's finances. It will include the family compound in Westchester County. Prosecutors are interested in this property called Seven Springs uh, because it is related to many possible financial crimes, including 
understating by dramatic amounts the value of properties to save on taxes while inflating the value of those same properties when they're used as collateral for loans. We've covered that before this investigation. Again, it, it is a criminal investigation. It also is drawing closer not just to Trump himself, but to Eric Trump, not exactly known as the smart one. Eric Trump is the executive vice president of the Trump organization. He was directly involved in the apparent riffraff related to this property. Subpoenas are going out. There are uh, requests for all sorts of files, emails, correspondence. And this really is a threat to Trump. Now, I want to be clear. This is not likely to put Trump in prison. These are criminal investigations into the organization which would likely if taken to their full conclusion and if they find guilt, they would lead to fines and potentially criminal charges against lower level people. Now, Eric Trump could count as a lower level person here. I don't expect to see Eric Don Jr. or Ivanka locked up much like I don't expect to see Donald Trump locked up. We have to have reasonable expectations. But uh, this is something that is going to grow and grow and grow. And remember that within 24 hours, Donald Trump will no longer have the shield of the presidency to delay lawsuits and investigations. One of the arguments that has been used by Donald Trump's lawyers with some degree of success for the last four years, even while Trump was was the nominee, the Republican nominee back in 2016. One of the arguments that Trump lawyers have used is this would encumber Donald Trump's ability to carry out his duties as president of the United States. We have to put this off. We have to put this off. We have to put this off. But now. Within 24 hours, that's no longer going to be an argument. And we have both criminal and civil investigations happening related to the Seven Springs property and a whole bunch of other aspects of the Trump organization. We also are seeing the resumption of sexual assault cases against Donald Trump. And while I maintain I do not believe we will see a former U.S. president in prison anytime soon, and that means up to and including Donald Trump. Uh, this really could encumber Trump for a very long time. I know there are some in my audience who think Trump could end up in prison. They're waiting for the perp walk. I don't think we're going to see that. But the next couple of years are going to be nuts regardless. Prepare yourselves to be unable to keep up with the legal fiasco that is about to hit Donald Trump's family. It, it's I look forward to trying to keep up with it, but it will be really difficult to keep up with all that the Trump family is about to get hit with. The biggest challenge right now facing prosecutors is that there is so much possible criminal behavior to investigate that it will take years to unravel. They are going to have to break it up into pieces and different uh, offices, different squads, different investigative teams are going to have to look at different elements of it. Uh, and remember, we still have money laundering through the campaign. There are allegations that close to I believe it was one hundred and sixty or one hundred and seventy million dollars was effectively laundered. These were donations from Trump supporters meant to go to the campaign. Hundreds of millions of dollars were reportedly laundered through a company uh, controlled by Trump's former campaign manager, Brad Parscale, and used to be funneled back to Trump family members and to shell corporations with the doing of Jared Kushner. That story alone, like that has nothing to do with the Seven Springs property. That has nothing to do with lies told for tax benefits by the Trump family. It that, that's a separate story, the campaign money laundering story. 
that one alone could take two years to unravel. So regardless of what comes of it, this is going to be hell for the Trump family for years. The legal fees are going to explode. Whether Trump will pay them is a question that remains open. We already know that even though Rudy Giuliani was billing 20 grand a day for his work on Trump's so-called election fraud campaign, Trump has said, don't pay Rudy. So who knows whether the lawyers will be paid, but millions of dollars in legal fees will be billed and it is going to be a wild couple of years. So I hope you'll be with us for it as well as tomorrow for Joe Biden's inauguration. We'll be starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram at David Pakman show and follow me on Instagram at David the David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors is Four Sigmatic, the company best known for their delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is organic, fair trade, single origin Arabica coffee with both lion's mane and chaga mushrooms. Chaga mushrooms have actually been shown to have potential in supporting the immune system in peer reviewed studies. I've been drinking four sigmatic coffee a lot lately. It actually doesn't taste anything like mushrooms. It just tastes like any delicious coffee, but it's really easy on my stomach. Doesn't give me any jittery feeling or a midday crash. And they have over 20,000 five star reviews. And best of all, if you don't love it, you'll get 100% of your money back because they stand behind their product. You've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. Four Sigmatic is giving my audience up to 40% off and free shipping when you go to foursigmatic.com slash Pacman. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash P-A-K-M-A-N. The link is also in the podcast notes for this episode. One of our sponsors today is Nerds for Humanity, which is an excellent YouTube channel and podcast that I would love for you to check out. Nerds for Humanity is for people who love going really deep into the nuances of politics and the important issues. They cover a wide variety of topics from elections to poverty, climate change, corruption and much more. And you'll find long form interviews with guests ranging from Andrew Yang and Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, panel debates and discussions with analysts and content creators, live streams where Tom, the host of the channel, breaks down complicated topics in interesting ways. I'm a big fan. If you're looking to discover a political commentary show with a really unique and innovative approach, check out Nerds for Humanity. Go search for the podcast. There's also a Facebook page and you can subscribe to the YouTube channel by going to davidpackman.com slash nerds. You can find the link in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. Since tomorrow, Joe Biden will be president of the United States. We're sort of closing the book on the Trump presidency today in a few different ways. And one such way is looking at approval rating. Donald Trump is leaving the White House with the lowest job approval of his presidency, which is twenty nine percent. And yet it still seems so high. How could nearly a third of the people in this country, less than a third, but nearly a third of the people in this country 
think he's doing a good job still. He's been doing nothing for months other than inciting that riotous insurrection on January 6th. And it is true that Trump voters have grown more critical of Trump in his post election conduct. The share of Trump supporters who describe his conduct as poor has doubled over the last two months from 10% to 20%. A significant majority of Americans don't want Trump, Trump to remain a major political figure after he leaves office. About two thirds say Trump should be uh, uh, should evaporate as a as a primary political figure of the United States. Joe Biden is entering with 64 percent positive opinion, which is great only in the sense that it bodes well and sets Biden up well for the crucial start of his presidency, where we need everybody on the same page in order to finally get this pandemic under control, scale up vaccination and do the things that have to be done. Uh, so those are all good signs. But in terms of the in ter terms of the January 6th Trump riots, three quarters of the public say that Trump bears at least some responsibility for the violence and destruction committed by some of his supporters. Fifty two percent say Trump bears a lot of responsibility, but we still have 24 percent. Nearly a quarter of this country says Trump has zero responsibility for what took place. That's extraordinarily weaponized disinformation. And then maybe most disturbing, a majority of Republicans still think that Donald Trump actually won the election. Understand that. 64% of Republican voters still believe, as of a few days ago when this survey was done, that it is actually Donald Trump who won the election. Two thirds of Republicans believe the guy who's being sworn in tomorrow did not really win. And by the way, 6% of Democrats also believe Trump won. I'd be interested in talking to some of those folks. That that's that's quite a bit. Uh, that's just as depressing, quite frankly. Meanwhile, this is not the only data point from Pew in the Gallup presidential approval tracking poll. Trump also falling there to a presidency low of 34 percent approval. And I, I have the same reaction to both the 29 percent and 34 percent approval numbers. Twenty nine percent and 34 percent approval for Trump are way too high. Those numbers tell us that something is very wrong with the country, as if we didn't already know, but it confirms it. Approval should be zero. If only all of this had been completely predictable when Donald Trump ran for president back in 2015. Oh, wait a second. It was completely predict predictable and we were predicting that it would be this bad. So there will be time for postmortems, but it's still shocking and saddening that there are people who thought Hillary would be the same as Trump or Hillary would be as bad as Trump or it would make no difference to the to the day the day day to day lives of Americans, whether it's Trump or Hillary. Some people over the last year were saying similar things about Joe Biden. Joe Biden would be as bad as Trump. I hope no one is listening to those people anymore because they've given up their right to be listened to. I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to speak. I'm not violating anyone, suggesting anyone's First Amendment rights be violated. I'm just saying at this point, we have enough evidence to realize we shouldn't be listening to those people. By the way, there are also people who went from voting for Bernie to voting for Trump. 
That also knowing everything we know now is extraordinarily disturbing. It was disturbing back in 2016. It's even more disturbing now because everything has been so utterly predictable. And yet some people are still acting surprised. So good news. Trump's going out with the lowest approval rating of his presidency. Bad news. Nearly a third of the country, nearly a third of the country, meaning about 70 million people still support the uh, um, uh, uh, absolutely. In, I'm sorry. No, 90 something million people. My math was wrong. Near something around 90 million people still think Trump is doing a good job. And that's going to be something we'll have to deal with for much, much more time than Trump is in office, which is fortunately just a few more hours. There are, of course, hundreds of thousands dead now in the United States from the coronavirus. And Donald Trump has been completely silent about that for months, although he is absolutely furious that so many celebrities are going to be performing in the Joe Biden inauguration. It is um, immoral and inconceivable that this is what Trump is focused on after his failure that led to way more coronavirus cases and deaths than we needed to have. Trump is furious that Lady Gaga will be performing for Joe Biden. Trump is furious that Jennifer Lopez and Tom Hanks are going to be featured at Joe Biden's inauguration tomorrow. Uh, Donald Trump is furious that country singer Garth Brooks, who refused to participate in Trump's inauguration, although Brooks said it was merely a scheduling conflict, will be performing for Joe Biden tomorrow. Now, Garth Brooks, listen, I don't know that much about Garth Brooks's politics. I don't know if he's sort of like a Dixie Chicks country artist. That is uh, the, the rare uh, progressive exception to what is a, a more conservative area of music. I don't know much about Garth Brooks. I don't know that I believe it was merely a scheduling conflict four years ago and that now he's doing it uh, to unite the country, as he says. Maybe that's the case. Maybe scheduling conflict is just an excuse. But in any case, uh, Trump is furious and Trump is furious about the A-listers who shunned him. And he's furious that now they are going to perform for Joe Biden. And I think that the, the story here really is, is uh, a, you know, I don't really care about the performances, I think is the point. What I care about is the following. It appeared during Donald Trump's campaign and it was proven during Donald Trump's presidency that Trump has only ever cared about himself. The riots are a perfect example. Trump never cared about the rioters as supporters. I said this last week when the rioters had the House and Senate cleared and delayed the count of the electoral votes. Trump was pleased because that's what he wanted to see happen. When it became clear that the rioters were appearing, to, I want to be careful in how I say it. Trump's perception was that the rioters looked low class. Trump was then mad. He never cared about the rioters when they were useful, and he never cared about the rioters when they appeared low class to him and were making him look bad. And then when Donald Trump did that speech saying all of the rioters will be and should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, some people said, oh, he turned on his own supporters. No, he didn't. He never cared about them as anything other than tools useful to him in achieving his political goals. That's it. Full stop. And so that's what this is about. Tragic numbers of coronavirus deaths at last count. The U.S. has surpassed 400,000 coronavirus deaths. And what Donald Trump cares about is how is the Joe Biden inaugural going to look relative to the Trump inaugural from the standpoint of celebrity participants? Now, lucky for Trump, and I say this sort of tongue in cheek, who really cares about this, but lucky for Trump, 
Joe Biden is not going to have a national mall filled with supporters because of the virus. Donald Trump on day one of his presidency sent then press secretary Sean Spicer out to lie about the size of Trump's crowds. Trump's not going to be able to uh, Trump's not going to have to fight about that because Joe Biden won't have a big crowd because there's a pandemic and Joe Biden is doing the responsible thing. But the lesson here is when it looked like Trump only cared about himself his entire career, when it looked like Trump only cared about himself during his campaign, when it looked like Trump only cared about himself during his presidency, we were right. That's exactly what it was. It's about gathering wealth. It's about inflating his ego and feeding his pride. And something very interesting is about to happen sociologically to the Trump family. Donald Trump and also his children are about to realize how much everybody really dislikes them in the circles they used to run in when he and they start to be rejected from those very social circles. New York City is not a cultural milieu that looks forward to welcoming Donald Trump. They did accept him previously. They're not going to now. And we've seen the New York City signs saying no to Jared and Ivanka. We've seen Palm Beach trying to stop Trump from doing the things he wants to do uh, in moving back to Mar-a-Lago. Half the country is swearing off any of Trump's hotels for life. It is going to be a real awakening here. And of course, Donald Trump is going to blame others. We know that, but it's still going to be something to see. Now, by the way, I don't care about how celebrity stuff relates to what's going on with Trump Biden uh, uh, beyond what it means for the culture of the country. But the Garth Brooks thing really does crack me up only because Garth Brooks did turn Trump down in 2017, again, saying it was just a scheduling conflict. And now Dr. Jill Biden asked Garth Brooks to play and he said he's going to. And he put out a statement saying this is merely a statement of unity. This is not a political statement. I want the country to be united. But Trump very, very triggered. And I can only imagine what is going to happen as Donald Trump and his family try to get back to uh, to, to to normal life. And and remember, when you understand Donald Trump's goals of uh, placating his ego and, and boosting his self-importance of uh, being president and alienating half the country and many of the business and celebrity contacts that he previously hung around with, uh, it's going to be a real awakening. And I expect a very isolated Trump. And th the last thing on this, and I want to move on. This goes back to, to when I was talking about Trump only cares about his supporters as as useful political tools and nothing else. The people Trump has spent a life wanting to associate with are the elites in Manhattan, uh, po powerful politicians, global leaders and businessmen and this type of thing. Trump has spent a life trying to not be around the people that are the, the vast majority of his voters. And so it's very interesting that as Trump leaves office, the only people that accept Trump are the people he spent a life trying not to spend time around. Really, a, a, a sociologically, a very interesting thing. So we'll be with you for the Joe Biden inauguration starting tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. I want to take a very brief break. And afterwards, we're going to talk about what will right wing media look like for the next two years? We have a couple of sort of uh, I guess I'll call them early signals. We're going to look at some interesting clips. They may be surprising. They may not, depending on how much you've, uh, attention you've been paying or did pay to what right wing media looked like under President Barack Obama. Quick break right back after this. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com.
One of our sponsors is a free mobile game called Word Forest, which I've been having a great time playing on my phone. There are not a lot of mobile games that I actually am into, but Word Forest is one I actually enjoy because I feel like it's helping me keep my mind sharp. We need that right now. It's a word game where you connect letters in any direction to form hidden word matches with over 2000 levels. You will never get bored of playing. It was really simple to learn how to play because it starts out easy, but I've been loving how it gets more difficult as I progress. But I find that the whole experience is just relaxing. It doesn't have to be super fast paced. It's awesome for anyone who loves word games and has a good vocabulary or wants to improve it. Go ahead and put yourself to the test. It's free. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for word forest. One of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer owned company shipping super quality CBD directly from their farm to your door. They cut out the middleman, which saves you money and gets you the freshest possible product, which includes tinctures, flour, gummies, skin topicals, even CBD coffee, which I've really enjoyed. The whole team loves Sunset Lake CBD, especially their CBD oil and the gummies. We always say send us more. Every time we run out, CBD is reported as being useful for relieving stress, pain, inflammation. Some people use it before bed to help with sleep. And Sunset Lake is where you want to get your CBD because they pay employees a living wage. Their farm is sustainable. And of course, because they support progressive shows like ours, they're giving David Pakman show listeners 20% off when you go to davidpakman.com slash CBD and use the coupon code Pacman. That's coupon code P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the URL in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So I woke up this morning and reviewed some of my preferred sources for the sort of like what happened yesterday in right wing media and came across something that made me wonder did we perfect time travel? Have we traveled back to the time when Barack Obama was president? Because on Fox News, propagandist Sean Hannity wasted no. He's not even waiting for Joe Biden to be sworn in. He wasted no time. He is already warning about concentration camps that the left is going to set up for Trump supporters. Uh, they did this under Barack Obama, conspiracy theorists and others talking about a forced internment camps. Some of them use the term FEMA camps. Some of them actually use the term concentration camps. And now this is remember in a year when this is has, this has exploded that today I am playing for you what I believe is the start of the Biden will put Trumpists in concentration camps meme. This is the 2021 version of it. And they never change their conspiracy theories. They just change who it is that's going to do it to you. Sean Hannity saying they want to put Trumpists in re-education camps. Take a look at this. Education camps, deprogramming. Okay, according to the press wing of the Democratic Establishment Party and the Socialist Party, you, we, the people, we need to be deprogrammed or canceled or put in re-education camps because of our political opinion, and it differs from theirs. Sadly, after decades on TV and radio, 
Let me just tell you what this is really all about. Now, this effort from the left, it is not new. It's only accelerating. I'm not complaining, but this has really been my reality. Now, Sean Hannity is correct. They do need to be deprogrammed or reprogrammed, but a no serious leftist thinks putting people in camps is the way to deprogram uh, Trumpists. I, I also like how he says this is the dictate from the Socialist Party. What's what Socialist Party? There's no one in power in the United States from the Socialist Party. Uh, AOC claims to be a Democratic Socialist and is really more of a Social Democrat. What? what he, where where are these so powerful socialists hidden that they even have influence in the United States? That's another red flag that maybe Sean Hannity isn't actually telling you the truth. And I, I hate to tell you, it pains me to tell you this because it feels like we're just rewinding back to 2015, 2016. Um, this stuff is going to go on for as long as Joe Biden is president. The difference is you. I, I argue that the difference about, for example, concentration, internment, reeducation camp conspiracies in 2021 versus 2014 is that in 2014, way fewer people fell for them. But the number of people that have fallen for this QAnon wild Trumpist stuff tells us that there is a much larger group of Americans susceptible to it today than there was during President Barack Obama's presidency. And that's really scary. That's something that we I don't know how we deal with that because we've got Newsmax and OAN signal boosting it. And um, that, you know, you did you occasionally had internment camps, FEMA camps mentioned on Fox News during Obama's presidency. But this is going to be the bread and butter of a Newsmax, of OAN and, and of others. Now, if Sean Hannity by reeducation camp simply means we need to fix schools so that people come out of school better able to think for themselves, not susceptible to the propaganda of Fox News and of OAN and of Newsmax, then listen, guilty as charged. I want to improve education. That's for sure. I want to be teaching critical thinking. I want to be teaching uh, epistemology. Call, guilty as charged. If what the allegation is, is that we want to better educate people. But consider the irony that they are the ones who have been shouting, lock them up lock her up, lock him up at rallies for five years now. But the day before Joe Biden is sworn in, they go back to they're going to put Trumpists in camps. Come on, guys. Consider the irony that they are the ones that came up with and perpetuated the war on drugs, incarcerating uh, so many people for minor drug infractions. But they say it's the left that wants to lock people up in camps. What? This doesn't even pass the sniff test. But as usual with these people, it's all projection. Now, one last thought. When we talk about radicalization and what gets people to go out and try to do real world violence, this is a perfect example. Beating people over the head for months or years when they want to put you in camps. They want to put you in camps because of your political beliefs. This is what gets some people in their audience, some, to decide I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something horrible. Okay, one very last thing. I thought I was on the last thing, but I have one more thing. You can only call it a re education camp if there's been education done before. For a lot of these people, they're just 
lacking the education to begin with around a lot of these issues, including how government works, how to think critically, how to understand and interpret media messages for yourself. So for many folks, the education problem is so bad that there's no reeducation to do. There's been no education. You say to people, how do you determine whether a message you see on the news is true or false? I don't know. I've never thought about it. I've never devoted. I've, nobody's ever given me a framework for how to think about that. So this is a signal that much as we've been predicting for months, it's all going back to the standard Republican playbook, right wing media projecting onto the left the things that actually would be better applied to them pretending to care about the budget and uh, pretending to care about small government and getting government out obstruction of uh, religious freedom, First Amendment explosions. Uh, you, you know, they're going back to the playbook. So buckle up for some crazy times of I was going to say we'll be covering it once Joe Biden is sworn in, but we're covering it now because they're wasting no time getting started. Uh, there are a um, number of new members of the House of Representatives who really should already resign or be impeached. And at the very top of that list uh, of that list is a Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Some people are calling her Bobo the clown that we're not doing that. But there are people who are doing that. Her name is Lauren Boebert. She is one of the people who objected to having to go through a metal detector to get onto the House floor. She wants to be armed on the House floor. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's the person I'm talking about. And allegations have been swirling that she may have been complicit in the riotous pro Trump insurrection on January 6th uh, by having given tours to the eventual radical insurrectionists of the Capitol building in the lead up to the January 6th riots. Now, we already heard, for example, from Congressman James Clyburn, who said, listen, I have a marked office and I also have an unmarked office where I work as majority whip or whip, as Frank Underwood would say. Um, somehow they knew to go right to my unmarked office. That's weird. And on the other side of this puzzle are the allegations that Lauren Boebert was indeed giving constituents tours of the Capitol, which would be one way that the insurrectionists would know exactly where to go. She has denied it. But Democratic Congressman Steve Cohen was interviewed about it and says very clearly he saw Lauren Boebert leading a large group through the Capitol in the days before the riots. He can't say these were the insurrectionists. He, he's not at a point where he can say that, but it would at least directly contradict Lauren Boebert's claim that she did no such thing. Let's take a look at the video. That, that's remarkable, remarkable to hear. I want to ask you about something specific, because several of your colleagues have alleged that the rioters may have received inside help, including, including raising the prospect of tours conducted or, or with the OK of fellow sitting members of Congress. This is quite a charge to make. Have you seen any hard evidence to substantiate that allegation? Only thing that I've seen, I, Congressman Yarmouth refreshed my recollection yesterday. We saw Congressman Boebert. Uh, taking a group of people for a tour uh, sometime after the third and before the sixth. I don't remember the day we were walking in and by the tunnel. We saw her and commented that who she was, and she had a large group with her. Now, whether they were people that were involved uh, or not, I do not know. She was a freshman. She might have had a large number of people coming to be with her on this historic occasion and just wanting to give them the opportunity to have a tour. 
but it was pretty clear that her team is a, is the is the team. She she's not on the home team. She was with the visitors. So Lauren Boebert is denying this, and there's a few different things here that might be going on because there's cameras everywhere. There's guest books. There it is certainly knowable whether Lauren Boebert was leading a crowd of people, whether it was an official tour or something else around the Capitol. This is information authorities are able to get. So why hasn't anyone come out and said we have the video? She did do it or we've reviewed. She didn't do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. One idea is that the feds, much like they often do, are waiting for her to make specific claims that are lies before they present her with the evidence to the contrary. There's maybe a political aspect to it. One idea I got an email from someone saying, you know, maybe the feds are waiting to release the evidence that Lauren Boebert did this for the inauguration simply to prevent any even minute possibility that Trump would think to pardon her. Uh, maybe they're waiting for the evidence to pile up and for her to lie about it. But there is uh, no doubt that it is knowable whether Lauren Boebert and other members of Congress were giving tours through the Capitol. And by the way, if it's all recorded, it's probably knowable whether the people that she was allegedly giving a tour to were later involved in the January 6th riots. So for a ton of this stuff, just in general, these questions apply to the Trump family investigations as well. It makes some sense to wait until after the inauguration to really scale up the investigations into Trump organization, criminal and financial wrongdoing, uh, just so that Donald Trump's presidential power is over. Um, it, it, I, I, as I said earlier, we are going to see the Trump family hit with many investigations as well. But this needs to be uh, figured out. Lauren Boebert's office did not immediately respond to questions from Talking Points memo about, you know, she denies that there was a tour, but Steve Cohen says he saw her doing it. How could both be true? Do you have a comment? No comment so far. But if we're looking for any signal about what may be to come, Lauren Boebert's communications director has already quit. Now, I know you're saying she's been in office a few days. What do you mean? Yes, Lauren Boebert's communications director has already quit. Now, in terms of the broader issue of some of these wacky new members of Congress, um, we've got Lauren Boebert. We have Marjorie Taylor Greene. I call her QAnon Congresswoman. There's this guy, Madison Cawthorn, who has talked about uh, having multiple firearms on him on his wheelchair when he's on the floor of the House of Representatives. This is a very bad direction for the country to be going in. And my instinct is when it comes to Boebert versus Marjorie Taylor Greene, I want you to gut check me on this. And I tweeted about this over the weekend. When I see Lauren Boebert, I see someone who is more of an opportunist and who may go too far and end up in prison or expelled from Congress for her antics. But I see her more as a calculated opportunist. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I see as an actual committed QAnon nut who really has drank the Kool-Aid. And I could see her either as a cult member or even a cult leader, although she doesn't necessarily seem smart enough to be a cult leader. She doesn't seem manipulative enough to be a cult leader. But that's where I see the difference between Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me know your thoughts. I'm curious to see where you fall on this. Uh, OK, we have a voicemail number. 
219 David P. You can call it any time of day. Here's a caller who believes I'm a liar. And this is a double whammy. David's a liar and the show is playing in the background. This is a classic where they can't even be bothered to pause the show. So I hear my own voice in the background as they leave the voicemail. This is a a, a classic as old as time itself. Take a listen. Oh my God, David! What do you mean he didn't do nothing for the virus? Give me a friggin' break! You're crazy, <laughs> and you're telling you're lying to your teeth right now. Give the man a little bit of credit. Damn, you guys just don't know. You're nothing but haters. You don't care about nobody but you. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And I have to tell you, for the Howard Stern fans in the audience, I know it can't be because sadly we we uh, we we lost Eric, the actor years ago. But that is a dead ringer for for Eric, the actor, a frequent uh, former frequent regular caller to the Howard Stern show. So very interesting stuff. And again, I don't I've never gotten an explanation as to why they can't pause the show to leave their screeds on my voicemail. But you can call if you want uh, to send me a message two one nine two David P real quick. Very exciting. Our good friend Jay Tomlinson, host of the best of the left podcast, has just published his 15th anniversary episode. Huge. Okay. You go to best of the left dot com slash listen best of the left dot com slash listen best of the left is an actual award winning podcast. The David Pakman shows an award winning podcast, but we've only won awards we give out, you know, so which makes them less credible. Jay's best of the left has actually won awards administered by someone other than himself. And if you're not familiar with his show, every episode is a deep dive into a political or cultural topic. You hear clips from a variety of shows. Then you also hear Jay's analysis and commentary. So 15 year anniversary for best of the left. Great friends of the David Pakman show. Go to best of the left dot com slash listen to check it out. And the bonus show doesn't speaking of award speaking of award winning from awards we give out. The bonus show doesn't stop. Rudy Giuliani will not represent Trump at his impeachment trial, and I will tell you why. And it's pretty funny. Parler has partially come back to life with the support of a Russian <laughs> technology firm. I know, I know. And uh, we will talk about a future Trump presidential library uh, and whether Trump would prefer a theme park rather than a library. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Uh, get access instantly by becoming a member at joinpacman.com. Coupon code better 21 saves you massive amounts off of a membership. And lastly, join us tomorrow for the inauguration, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. We will start with the inauguration of Joe Biden to the presidency of the United States. Don't miss it. YouTube, Twitch and Facebook. I will see everybody then.